This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, football fans, and welcome to The Onside Kick. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the Mark Weber. Dub them ease. And Mark, this week, we're continuing our previews. We've gone through two complete divisions in both the NFC and AFC, and now we're starting the third out of four. We're going AFC South before NFC South next week. So Colts, Texans, Titans, Jaguars, and I mean, the big thing about this division is it's the Colts to win. The yeah, Colts have this division. That's pretty fair to say. I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, you know, some of them Texans fans want to say, hey, Ricky, have you seen our defense? It's pretty Not just impressive. The have you seen our front three? Yeah, Have it's you seen impressive. our guys? Have you seen Vincent Wilfork lately? So I, I think you, and that's fair. I, I want to give them credit where credit is due. I am terrified of that and its existence mm-hmm. and what it can possibly do, especially if uh, Jadavion Clowney is playing and, you know, not hurt or anything. Um, but Andrew Luck is pretty impressive, and he's gotten quite a few guys to come well, uh, hang out on his team with him. Yeah, let, let's go through. We're going to start with the Colts and the big free agent signings that they got, arguably the biggest two. Frank Gore originally said, hey, I'm going to go to Philly, and then said, wait a second, I want to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to go to Indy. And then Andre Johnson, the former Texan, goes, yeah, you know what? You cut me. Good. I can go where I want. I'm going to go win a Super Bowl in Indy. Really, the only guys they lost are Sergio Brown, a safety. They lost defensive end Corey Redding, running, you know, Trent Richardson, how he was doing so good things. A whopping 3.3. The Indianapolis Colts. And then they go in the draft. And, yeah, it was a question mark at the time. But they drafted Philip Dorsett out of Miami. They also got Deron Carter. So just think of that. Carter, a speedster like Dor- Dorsett, Andre Johnson, with T.Y. Hilton, mm-hmm. with Frank Gore in the backfield, Andrew Luck has to be salivating right now. Just oh, for saying, sure. Licking my chops. Can't wait for this season to start because Rex Ryan, I'm sorry, game one, that's going to be a massacre. Now, what makes me, we talked about the question mark at the time uh, of drafting Philip Dorsett at pick number 29, but I think the thing that, the thing that I immediately thought of was, it's kind of a, a rich getting richer kind of thing, mm-hmm. but T.Y. Hilton, we're already terrified to go against T.Y. Hilton, but then to get yet another player similar to T.Y. Hilton and Philip Dorsett, that's just insane. Like Teams already can't really cover T.Y. Hilton that well. So now there's two of them out there. That's just, that's awful. And Andre Johnson, I think there'll be some spark. There'll be some life in that as he gets to a new team. Uh, But I wouldn't expect great things out of him like we had, you know, three, four seasons ago when the Texans were good. Uh, But it's still going to be enough of a threat to let Andrew Luck do what he wants. As long as he is on his feet, he can do what he wants out there. Well, and you say Rich getting richer. Last season, T.Y. Hilton led the team. 82 receptions, about just over 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. But, however, Dante Moncrief did well. Mm-hmm. Kobe Fleener, Dwayne Allen, the tight ends, caught some valuable balls. So if you say, let's look at all the receivers right now that I think they can do something. Johnson, Hilton, Dorsett, Moncrief, Carter, 
Then the two tight ends, Allen and Fleener. That's seven possible targets for Andrew Luck to hit at any time. And it kind of, this kind of reminds me of the Peyton Manning thing in a way where the big thing we said about Peyton Manning is, you know what? Anything, any you can put any receiver out there, he's going to make them better. This is kind of like the same thing, except they're actually good receivers and they don't need Andrew Luck to make them better. They're already good. Andrew Luck is going to make them great. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, but I do want to say, I do want to always, of course, urge caution that we pump the brakes a little bit on Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson's at the end of his career. He will be good. He will not be great. I, I think does, that needs to be said. But the thing is, he doesn't need, A, he doesn't need to be the number one guy. Mm-mm. Two, he doesn't need to be the superstar. He just needs to be the guy to, hey, Kind of like Brandon Marshall I'm and Elshon. I'm here to respect hey, me, essentially. You know, either that or just, hey, throw the ball up. I'm going to go up and get it. Yeah, for sure. Because you got a lot of speedsters on this team. Andre Johnson can be the guy, throw it to the back of the mm. end zone. I'm just going to jump and over everybody. To, to be fair, I want to put up this uh, this difference because I think it's I think it's entertaining. Um, we have T.Y. Hilton at a whopping 5'9". Philip Dorsett, 5'10". Andre Johnson, six foot three, huge gap on pounds. these guys. Like you needed a guy like Andre Johnson to be that. Hey, I'm yeah. tall. I reach above the cornerbacks where you know Ty or Dorsett are sitting there at about the same height mm-hmm. as an, as a cornerback. Yeah, your average the, corner. Throw the ball up. I'll go up and get it. Kind of a thing. Yeah. So that's why. I mean, that's definitely the best reason to have him on this team. Uh, even with the age, he'll still be able to do good things Here, out there. Here's the thing I am worried about with this offense is. I cannot wait for that first game between, this is going to be October 8th, CBS. It's going to be a Thursday night game. The first time we see that Houston front line against Frank Gore. Because the thing in San Francisco, Frank Gore was almost like a dud last season. Like a few few years ago, you had him on your fantasy team. He was the main guy in San Francisco last year. We kind of saw him with the 49ers kind of fall out. Carlos Hyde was looking to take over a little bit. Can Frank Gore be that solid guy that you just bruise up the middle? And mm. how's he going to do that against that new front line for the Texans? Uh, nothing. He's not going to do anything against the Texans. Um, those Texans games are Andrew Lux to win. He has to go and do it with his wide receivers. Uh, and the defense has to really step up to uh, you know shut out the... I would say fairly average to slightly above average Texans offense. Uh, you know, th- there's good things on that Texans offense, and we'll talk about them as well. But they're not the Colts. You know, uh, well, none of these teams in this division are the Colts. Very few teams in the NFL are at the same level as the Colts on offense, at least on paper right now, because the season hasn't begun. But with that being said, yeah, the Frank Gore, I, I think he's not going to be a guy who's going to get a thousand yards this year. He's not going to be a guy who is the centerpiece of the offense. Yes, he is, uh, you know, running back number one, but he's definitely going to share some of the load. Not saying it's a, you know, it's a running back by committee type of scenario, mm-hmm. but don't be surprised if, you know, if Vic Ballard is out there taking a good amount of carries away from Frank Gore just because Frank Gore isn't who he was five six years ago. Well, because I say, and I say that front three because you have JJ Watt and Will Fork there. Right now on the ESPN Houston Texan depth chart, they have Crick, 
at the right side defensive end and Clowney back playing mm-hmm. outside linebacker. But if it's me, and I know I'm not Bill O'Brien, I'm not the Texans, I put Watt Will for Clowney. That's the way I do it. But even if you have Clowney on the outside, he can get free as a pass rusher. You got X fighting Illini. I just have to throw that in there because I don't get too often. Marcellus on the other side mm-hmm. coming in. You've got Cushing in the middle. You've got new draft pick McKinney. Just that front three with the four linebackers. It looks like they're starting to build something in Houston. Uh, well, I mean, Houston has, I, I wouldn't say what they had uh, from the from the, the good old days. They're finally being utilized. Yeah, I wouldn't say none of, none of that went away. It just was not being used correctly, or it was just time for new management, and they mm-hmm. got that. Uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, he did well last year, uh, and I even said that this was a solid team. You wanted to be on this team. You know, they drafted Jadavion Clowney, and there's no reason why they shouldn't have drafted Jadavion Clowney. But as I said, you know, if they wanted a quarterback in that draft when they drafted number one overall, that would have been the best place for a quarterback to be because that team was set to be a Super Bowl winning team in about three years. Mm -hmm. And I still say that the Houston Texans are on track for that. The problem with the Houston Texans, we could talk about the defense all day and be excited and just can't wait to watch it. The problem with the Houston Texans is... Brian Hoyer's your quarterback. Or Ryan Mallett's your quarterback. Neither one's that exciting. Hoyer did good... With yeah, the he Browns well. until he got injured, mm-hmm. but then he got injured, and that's a huge question mark. And Mallet, like, has he been worth the trade? Well, we say that he he was doing well, and he did do well at the beginning, but Brian Hoyer really fell off. Uh, and you know, injury is a big part of it. But but you know, he really fell off. Um, I forget which game he actually got pulled out uh, with the Browns. Uh, and Johnny Manziel came in, but things were not looking Bills good game. for a the while. The Bills game was Manziel's first start, I think. Yeah, so things were not looking good for, I think, I, I, I can't remember if it was you know two or three games where things were just looking bad for Brian Hoyer. It was the Bills, okay, the Bills game was the one where they, they ended up losing 26-10, to 10, and that was the one where we first saw Manziel, where they pulled Hoyer, yes. Manziel came in, he had that nice rushing touchdown, and people were like, oh, could we be seeing nice things from Manziel? And then after that against uh, the Colts, Hoyer went out there, had about 30 passes most of the game, and then against Carolina on the 21st of December only had 13 attempts. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where, for, for Brian Hoyer, because if we all remember uh, in Cleveland, I'm sure we do, especially if you ever once watched ESPN, there was a huge talk about, is it Johnny Manziel? Is it Brian Hoyer? And everyone was saying, yeah, Brian Hoyer, he's going to be the guy for about three games. Then he'll get pulled. You know, four games, he'll get pulled. And he did really well at the beginning. People were actually impressed, and he was winning games. Until uh, that three-game skid at the end. Yeah. He had four losses. Exactly. He, d- he put... The Browns in a great position. Unfortunately, the Browns as a team, not just Brian Hoyer, were not able to maintain that. Uh, you know, besides, I mean, he only had at the beginning. He you know he's not throwing too many interceptions. Towards the end is when he started to have more two, three game, two, two or three interception games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Houston Texans are the fans of the Houston Texans are very familiar with guys who throw quite a few interceptions. Makes them nervous. Um, but what I want to say about this is you have good pieces. I mean, Arian Foster is still there. He's still going to be a here's, top running back. Here's the thing about Arian Foster, and I know last season 
was the one where he came back from that injury. 2013, only played eight games, Mm -hmm. played 13 this past season. He got the yardage back to a respectable front with just over 1,200 yards in the season. To me, though, is he, and I feel like he has to be the guy scoring some touchdowns, getting back to that 15-16 touchdowns a season like he did in 10 and 12, maybe even Uh 10. He's got to have double digits because I look at these wide receivers, Cecil Shorts, didn't do that great in Jacksonville in my eyes. I mean, no, some I, say I don't think a, you're going to be excited for too much here. Some say he's a good receiver. I think he's a mediocre receiver. Receiver mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, can you fill in the shoes of Andre Johnson? After that, there's nothing really that I'm impressed with with this wide receiver core for the Texans. Well, the, the one thing that I will say, remember that they did draft uh, Jalen Strong. And I, I think even though he was a third-round pick, I think he will be able to perform. He's not your number one wide receiver, but I think he's going to be able to contribute very well. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I find it hard to say he's not a number one receiver uh, because he, you know, he puts up quite. He had eight hundred in his uh, rookie year, twelve hundred in his, you know, in this past season. But is he ready to? Be that number one go-to guy. Not if he doesn't get help. And that's why I think Cecil Shorts needs to play above his talent level. And Jalen Strong needs to be what I'm assuming he will be able to be. Jalen Strong needs to be, you know, a 600-yard guy for, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins to actually be the number one wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Because when you combine that with Cecil Shorts, who's probably uh, probably about a 500, 600-yard guy as well, then you're actually looking at something good when you have, you know, 1,200 running back Arian Foster out there. You're you're going to be fine. Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett, that argument's irrelevant to me because either one is going to be the same. You need good defense to put us in a position to win games. I can then win you games, especially when I have Arian Foster out there controlling the clock. See, and we're talking, we're, we're talking more about the Texans now, but to kind of bring the Colts back into it, we've talked about two teams that are on two opposite sides of the strength pool. Colts, it's offense, offense, offense. Man, look at those wide receivers. The Texans, it's, yeah, the offense is a piece of work, but the defense may keep you in games. And with the Texans, I feel like with the Colts, get them out of the way. The defense isn't a pushover. Oh, no. However, the offense is leaps and bounds. You're more excited, and that looks better on paper then their defense, they're going to win games. Mm-hmm. I feel like, honestly, they could be the best team in the AFC. For more details on that, you can check out my preview of them. But all I'm going to say is they can be the best team in the AFC. With the Texans, I feel like just looking at them divisionally, their defense with Cushing, Clowney, Watt, Wilfork, uh, Marcellus, they can... Take away Blake Bortles. They can get pressure on him and make his life hell in two games. Mettenberger or Mariota, whichever one starts in Tennessee, they can make his, they have the possibility to make whichever quarterback starts their hell. Mm -hmm. The biggest question is can you get to Andrew Luck before he finds one of his wide receivers? Yeah, you got to do it quick. You got to break down the offensive line, essentially. You just got to push them back. Uh, you know, push them right into Andrew Luck's face, obviously. So it, it's going to be interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I think 
this division's interesting because I think, although I, I agree with Ricky because I know Ricky loves the Colts in this, and I love the Colts too. Um, but I think the Houston Texans are going to make this closer than closer people than I expect. Think. Yeah, I, I think they will make this a lot closer. And I don't think that you know Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett have a you know too long of a future in Houston unless it is as the backup quarterback. But I, I do think that this is a team that can and quite probably will get to the playoffs. And I think I've even been sleeping on them a little bit until more recently. You know, obviously, as we do these previews, we look into the teams a little bit more. Uh, and every time I look at the Houston Texans, I get a little bit more excited about them. Even though, like I said, quarterback situation, nothing to be happy about, nothing to be excited about. But it's not anything to be upset about either. And I don't know, like I said, every time you look at them, even though you look at this de- this offense and there's nothing that you're excited about, besides Arian Foster, you kind of, you're will, uh, you get a little bit more used to it and you're like, okay, this can be a real deal. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. I know it's the NFC, but they got into the playoffs and they had a third string quarterback out there. I'm going to just throw this out there. And I know with you, I don't want a definite answer because I want you to save it for the listeners can go ahead and check out your preview yes. of the Houston Texans, but because that is your video, mm-hmm. I can go ahead and say in my eyes, I'm going to say it, I got the Texans winning seven games. At the best, I can see them as a nine-win team. The Colts, to me, are, I'll just go ahead and say it, they're a double-digit win team. Mm-hmm. They're most likely going to win this division because I kind of feel where back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean like maybe three to five years ago. This division with Peyton Manning was always, you know what? Colts are going to win it. Houston and Tennessee are going to fight for the middle. Jacksonville will be in the end. But the one thing you can make sure is that Jacksonville will give the Colts a run for their money in one of the games, usually the second game of the year that they play, because it was usually week 17. And that's when Peyton Manning sits down and, the Jacksonville Jaguars can actually beat the Colts. Mm -hmm. This isn't your dad's Colts team anymore. Andrew Luck doesn't sit games. The Colts, I I wouldn't be, I'm not saying it's going to happen, wouldn't be surprised if they went 16-0. Well, we got to say that Peyton Manning did learn his lesson about sitting games when they lost the Super Bowl. Not saying that one thing's related to the other, but, you know, we're all superstitious sports fans. I like how you totally just, Went over my sixteen and zero uh, prediction. Well, you know, not Ricky, really a prediction. I just wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I I try to uh, not hear the dumb things. You know, <laughs> that's what it is. But no, honestly, though, the when it comes to the Colts, we got to say no division. In, or, I mean, no schedule in the NFL is easy. Uh, all schedules are dif- difficult in any given Sunday. But they don't have as no hard game. of a schedule. This is, yeah, this is not that bad. They don't have a, as hard of a schedule as like teams in the NFC North that we covered. Yeah, exactly. You know, you are going to play, I mean, for the Colts, for example, you are going to play, uh, you know, the, the Steelers. You're going to play the Texans, of course, the, the Patriots, Patriots uh, the, the Broncos. Yes, Broncos, Dolphins can make it a make it a run, too. But you're playing a lot of teams that are right in the middle to low end of the NFL. So you're sitting there, you know, you don't want to get too cocky right now. And you know, Andrew Luck is not a guy to get out there and get cocky. No, he's not. Uh, But you're sitting there going, hey, we got a real deal. Miami, you guys better watch it. All right. We're coming for that 16 and 0 because (laughs) someone else has to do it eventually. Right. 
Could you imagine if, and I got to switch over. Well, and of course the Patriots, the, we all remember the 18 and one perfect season, the 18 and one perfect season. I got to look. Could you imagine if week 16, I think it is where they're in Miami, Mm -hmm. they're 15 and oh, Miami beats them just like they beat the 85 bears and they pull out the signs, uh, the old signs from 85 that they have in their closet that they used in that game saying nothing's they still, good. They still, got the, they still got the signs, too. They've been keeping them. They, they kept them for they a They knew day. one day we would be here again. But could you imagine how just not perfect, but how funny would that be if the Colts went perfect, went into Miami, that's the only game they lost in the regular season? Man, that would be... That'd be Miami, Miami does it again, and you know that'd be heartbreaking. You know what's funny, and I'm gonna get these years right. That'd be thirty thirty years since they did it to the Bears because it was eighty five. This would be 2015. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a your weird math, coincidence. Your math checks out, Ricky. Yeah, I had, I had to check for a second in my head. It, it's hard math. It's mm-hmm. hard math. But and then of course the Colts, you know. They get to play. Uh, they had the Titans come in and they beat them by a yeah. hundred points, a hundred to nothing. Well, just make it happen. Like, they team, just dominate. That's a team I'm going to out bring, of spite. That's a team I'm going to bring up because you can get actually. Oh, it is actually your video. So I'm going to give the opinion for this one: Mettenberger or Mariota. I think the decision's easy. Mariota. Yeah, you drafted him with the second pick. Because nobody wanted him. No, I actually do think... Because nobody wanted him. I'll give the credit. I do think that the Titans probably, uh, unless they were getting the King's Ransom, they were going to draft Marcus Mariota all along. But... Um. Yeah. There's no. There's no debate. And when you're going to talk about Zach, Zach Mettenberger, you got to talk about Charlie Whitehurst out there too. He exists. He's there. <laughs> They're all at the same level. I say Marcus Mariota's at he, the level because he's a rookie. He used to be a backup to Philip Rivers, right? Um, yeah, I think that's accurate. He's been around quite a few different places lately. Yeah. He's really becoming the good old journeyman. A journeyman. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just for the fun of it, let's see what some of the teams here uh, that he played on. Of course, San Diego, Seattle, and Tennessee. Now, for some reason, I thought he also made a stint in uh, Indianapolis. That's what I, I guess thought. Not. That's what I was thinking. I thought he showed up during the Peyton Manning is hurt year. No, I thought he was under Andrew Luck for a year or two. Like, didn't have to play at all because Andrew if you're, Luck's got if it. If you're an avid fan of Charlie Whitehurst, <laughs> feel free to correct us uh, down in the comments section. If you're a Charlie Whitehurst uh, enthusiast. I, I know they're out there. I know but they're out there. You know what I cannot wait for? And, of course, this is going to hurt if... Ken Wisenhunt goes, nah, 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 Zach Mettenberger's our guy. But you know what we have the possibility for? What's that? Mariota Winston with a Mariota W. And then a Mariota versus Johnny football. If Mariota beats those two guys, he could go into Indy 2-0. and He could if, you know, if uh, Johnny football's playing quarterback there. Yeah, but I mean, I'm assuming that Johnny football is going to be the starter. I mean... Josh McCown, maybe, but mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that'd be great. Johnny Football plays that game against Mariota, and he has to go through the hottest quarterback, well, besides himself, hottest quarterback coming out this year in Winston, mm-hmm. and then last year's hottest quarterback, and I mean hot by popularity, Yeah, Johnny and, Football. And he's an attractive-looking gentleman. He is. Uh, you know, he. let's not... Let's not call him ugly, Ricky. Um, but <laughs> he's way more attractive than me, Mark. That's for sure. But uh, I do want to say, uh, 
I don't know. I'm not too confident in the Tennessee Titans' ability to go out there and win these games unless Marcus Mariota goes out there and he Superman Cam Newtons it. You know, and he goes and goes, you know what? I'm going to run all over you guys. If he does that, then I think they can win these games. No problem. But besides that, the Tennessee Titans are just a very... Mm, I, I don't want to necessarily say they're below average. They are below average. They're just a very okay team, I guess. I'm only saying this because, like I said, the Titans video is yours. Mm. So all the prediction in that video of game by game. So I'm just going to throw yeah. mine out here. I got the Titans winning the first two. Then from week three to weeks to uh, week, week 11. 17, oops, to week ball. 11, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight losses. So they go 2-0. And then boom, right to two and eight. But then they get to play who? The yeah, Raiders. Well, and they'll finish with six wins, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's giving them a that's giving them a good amount. Now I I will say uh, four more than they did last year, but that's because they'll have a quarterback in Mariota. Yeah, I, I I you know if you listen to us back during the draft time, you know I'm not hugely sold on Marcus Mariota. But oh, I do you're more think of a he can Winston do good guy. Things. I'm more of a Mariota guy. Pretty much, pretty much that's how it goes. Neither one of us, I think, believe that these guys are uh, anyone we're going to be talking about too much in 10 years. And, I, and but... I'm going to throw this out there. I don't want to hear in the comments section, Winston guy, Mariota guy. Mark is the Winston guy. You can use his name. I am Ricky. Just getting that out now there. Now you're going to get even more. Of like, you know what? Hey, Man, that Winston hey, guy. Winston that Mariota guy. guy. Hey, Winston guy. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we adore our commenters. Yeah, we, we think you guys are okay. Um, <laughs> Just okay. But the things I want to say uh, about, the, about the Tennessee Titans, and of course I'll go more into yeah. them later. Um, but Marcus Mariota is good. And then uh, Green Beckham, I think, is awesome. I, I love him as a wide See, receiver. It's just a... Well, uh, just a big guy to throw it to. Well, the only thing that's bad about... He's six foot five, Ricky. Well, the He's only huge. thing that's bad is they've said that his locker room attitude. Yeah. Can you contain him? But I'm not even thinking about that because the possibility of Mariota to him. Mm-hmm. Mariota to Beckham. Mariota to Beckham. Mariota to Beckham. And all I, over the field. And I don't believe that, that uh, Green Beckham's going to be number one. Uh Unfortunately, Harry Douglas and Kendall Wright are probably also not going to be number one. If any of these guys will, mm, no, I don't even want to. They give also it to got Hakeem Nicks, who doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be that high-profile mm-hmm. receiver that he was in New York. He just has to be good for enough. sure. And but I mean, with Justin Hunter in there too, you have a bunch of two threes. Mm-hmm. You don't have a number one, and uh, Marcus Mariota really needs a number one because without a number one, and don't forget Delaney Walker. I did, and I will continue. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, he before he got injured, yeah, yeah, he was good. I know he was a good fantasy option for some people that needed a tight end, um, who weren't lucky enough to have Jimmy Graham or Rob Gronkowski. That's that's true. I don't know. Do they do they still? Oh, they do still have him. Yeah, that's right. Um, but the the thing I will say is, w- without that number one, I get nervous for Marcus Mariota that he's going to have to put it on himself, and we're going to have. Uh, the bad Cam Newton, or we're going to have RG3. You know, we're going to have a guy who goes out there, gets himself hurt, maybe to where he's not going to be injured not playing games, but he's going to be hurt not playing at 100%. And that's the thing that makes me nervous for for any of these mobile quarterbacks, but especially a guy like uh, Marcus Mariota, who's out there, great talent level, but the guys around him, good talent level, just not the same level he needs them to be. Well, and I will say defensively, you know who I'm focusing on for this Titans team? Who's that? Brian Arakpo. For Coming sure. over from Washington to Tennessee, mm-hmm. what can you do now that you're in Tennessee? This weekend, 
the news, I overheard that I guess Albert Hainsworth, who in the past went from Tennessee to Washington, signed that huge $1 million contract, said that if he wrote a letter to his younger self, he would say, don't take the money mm-hmm. because you're not going to be happy. And it's just kind of like, it's an opposite side going from Washington to Tennessee. I want to see if it was okay. Now that you don't have the stain and the taint of Washington Redskin drama and badness on you, what can you do in Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that definitely is, um, it's going to be interesting. I'll give you that. Uh, I, I think there are good things about this Tennessee Titans team that I will get more into, of course, in my in my uh, my preview. Um, but this team is rebuilding, obviously. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt, uh, or Ken Wisenhunt, yes, yeah. Uh, you got the most important piece though in Mariota for that rebuild, and, and that's what that's what Wisenhunt needs. Mm-hmm. He needs to have uh, a solid quarterback. Now it's up to it's up to uh, this team. To keep him healthy and this coaching staff to keep him healthy because we don't need another RG3 situation. Uh, you know, we don't need the classics that we remember, like Mike Vick getting hurt all the time. What we need is a guy who's Cam Newton. I can run or, you know, is Russell Wilson. I can run, but I'm not going to unless I need to. Then I will do it. That's when Marcus Mariota is dangerous. That's when mm-hmm. he can get this Tennessee team back to what they should be and what a lot of fans down in Tennessee are hoping that they will be. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, for me, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans aren't that far apart from where they're going to be. Neither one of them are going to be complete bottom feeders. Uh, but they're, you know, they're sitting probably about four or five wins. I will say, though, there could be a little bit of pressure on Mariota, not just because he was a second overall pick and everyone thinks he's going to be so great, but with Ken Wisenhunt alone, since he was the head coach with the Cardinals in 07 and then the offensive coordinator with the Chargers in 2013, here's the list of quarterbacks that he's got to deal with. And when I say deal with, I should say had the honor of having. From in 07, he had a combination of Warner for 11 games, Leinart for five. Then he had Kurt Warner and Leinart for 08, 09. 2010, Derek Anderson. 2011, he had Cobb. And then 2012 was the John Skelton, Cobb, Lindley, Hoyer year. Mm -hmm. Then he goes to... The Chargers, oh yeah, Philip Rivers. Yes. Then when he came to the Titans, what was it, Zach Mettenberger? So he went from Rivers, Warner, to Mettenberger. Mm. Can Mariota be as good as Rivers and Warner for Ken Wisenhunt? I'm not saying in general, I'm just saying for Ken Wisenhunt. Yeah, I mean, he he has going to have to be. He really is. And I, I do think we have... I don't think there's any doubt that Marcus Mariota is going to start and he's going to play probably all 16 games. But I will say, if Zach Mettenberger goes into camp, does a phenomenal job, he does put some extra pressure on Mariota to perform well. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen, you know, and this is a different situation, but we've seen a guy like Matt Flynn get paid big and get knocked out by, you know, third rounders. We've seen situations like that. A guy like Ken Wisenhunt doesn't care that we drafted Marcus Mariota in the second round. If he does not perform well, 
and I'm getting good stuff out of Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, but not going to happen. But I'm just saying, you know, the pressure is there for Mariota to perform. The reason, and this is going to be a big thing for both Mettenberger and Mariota, because before they drafted Mariota, the Titans did what teams always do. If they're if you're a quarterback, they think about drafting you. They'll send you a copy of a playbook. Yeah, with like most play, not all of them, but like some plays for you to study. And just everything you heard back was Mariota was one of the smartest guys Mm -hmm. studying that playbook. And the thing I think about is Mettenberger, you better have that playbook down 110% because you don't want to be that second year vet that comes in and the rookie knows more plays than you or he knows the routes better than you. Because if that happens, Mettenberger's going to be out of a job for sure because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when it's kind of like I think of the movie Drumline. The new freshman comes. Not in. many people think of that movie. You so. don't want you don't want to be that guy that gets out drum soloed by the freshman. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of. And Zach Mettenberger, that may happen to you in training camp. Yeah, and you know Zach Mettenberger, he he did okay last year. I mean, it's nothing to be excited about. He didn't play very many games. He uh, also happened to lose all of them. But he threw actually fun fact. <laughs> he threw one interception in every single game. That's interesting. Uh, nothing to be excited about there. So I, I do not that this question really needs to be asked, but Zach Mettenberger or Charlie Whitehurst, which one of these guys do you want to take in as your backup quarterback? Do you really care? Whitehurst. I, I was going to say, do you really care a, about the young guy? You already have no. a young rookie. The way I think of it, I, young I would take Whitehurst if I was the Titans because one, he can be that veteran presence. Two, he was in San Diego. Whitehurst and Wisenhunt are familiar with each other. Boom, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I do wonder that too. Zach Mettenberger, because when you, as soon as you said out of a job, it, it really popped into my mm-hmm. head of Zach Mettenberger might actually be out of a job soon. Yeah. Because there's not, it's not a joke to have, you know, I know I made the joke about Charlie Whitehurst anyways earlier, but he actually is a good quarterback. Nothing great to be excited about. For a backup. Yeah, I mean, he's exactly he's a backup guy. He's yeah. the guy who you never want to actually have play, but if he does go in there, you trust that he single-handedly won't lose the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I do think that's that's valuable. And you, this is a team that with rookie quarterback Marcus Mariota, yes, you might be concerned about possible injuries because he's mobile. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go in there with three quarterbacks when two of them are super young and one of them's not that great. Let's go with this last team that we got. We haven't talked about Jacksonville. Their offseason, some of their highlights, they get Julius Thomas. They get defensive lineman Jared Oldrick from Miami. Sergio Brown from the Colts. That's their top three free agent signings. Guys, they lose. Devon, or Devon House comes here. Cecil Shorts goes to Houston. Allen Ball goes to your Chicago Bears. Red Bryant goes to the defending NFC champion. Seattle Seahawks, and then in the draft, they take third overall down to Fowler Jr. Spoiler alert, won't play this year. Mm-hmm. And then in the second round, T.J. Yelton, your Yeldon running back. And the first thing I think of is with Yeldon, is he the starter or Storm Johnson your starter? Familiarity with uh-huh. Bortles and Johnson or T.J. Yelton, great Alabama running back? Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um like I said, the, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars are essentially the same to me, where they're just teams that aren't that good, but they're getting a little bit better, and they have promise. Um, 
w- the thing that I'm most excited about is the um, uh, how long ago was this report? I don't remember um, where they were talking about how uh, Blake Bortles essentially he had a dead arm for like the last part of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see, OK, is that true? Are we going to see a different Blake Bortles? Are we going to see a really good Blake Bortles out there? I don't know. And he doesn't really have anyone that exciting to throw to besides Julius Thomas. Who does not have Peyton Manning throwing to him I don't anymore. know. Hearns did good. Hearns was a, and when I say Hearns did good, Hearns was a fantasy football explosion for a while. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson, the old Penn State receiver, what can we see? He's got to step up and be a one or two receiver for this team. And I'm going to, the running backs, I'm going to say, I mentioned Storm Johnson. However, yeah. Bernard Pierce is on this team now, Toby Gernhardt. Uh, Denard Robinson, Shoelace. Shoelace. Is Yeldon going to overtake any of these guys? Or is Yeldon mm. kind of a Carlos Hyde situation where you could be the second guy, Gernhardt's number one, but we kind of split time between you? Yeah, but we got to remember with uh, with Toby Gernhardt, a lot of people were very disappointed in him. Oh, he I did know. not That's perform. That's why the Vikings got rid of him. Yeah, I mean, even when he, when he came to uh, Jacksonville, everyone's like, He's going to be the real spoiler deal. Spoiler alert, he's not a real starting running back. No, he he was in the perfect situation running behind Adrian Peterson. Um so, you know, I, I don't I don't really expect Gernhardt to be number 1 guy. Um I mean, this is probably running back by committee situation. And Pierce was the same thing where mm-hmm. he split time with whoever they had trying to fill in for the Ray Rice hole last year in Baltimore. Yep. And, and it's just going to be it's going to be interesting. I don't know. Um with with of course with shoelace though I mean we make the joke as soon as he gets on the Jacksonville Jaguars of hey they got a new quarterback you know they got yep. the, they got the new guy he's suddenly the best quarterback on this roster um, but obviously we're joking Blake Bortles is all right uh, but it needs to be said that there's not really a clear leader at running back uh, running back is full of a bunch of backups essentially in my mind and wide am, receivers are full of a bunch well, of wide receiver with, two or threes with wide receiver I am gonna throw out they do have Marquise Lee. He was good. Yeah. At, he was good for yeah, the Trojans true. at Southern Kale, but can any of these receivers step up? That's the thing. And Blake that's, Bortles yeah. needs someone to step up and say, "Blake, I'm your number one." Because you Come got a, to me. You got a bunch of guys who. The problem is you have a bunch of guys who are like in the 300, mm-hmm. 400 range, um, possibly getting that five hundred range for yardage. Those are you know those are wide receiver threes, wide receiver two maybe. And they did draft two wide receivers in the NFL draft: mm-hmm. fifth rounder Rashad Green. Caught some balls from Jameis Winston, and then they got Neil Sterling in the seventh round out of Mammoth. Yeah, but the the problem is when you're when you really want or when you're a team that needs a number one wide receiver, you're not getting him in the fifth round. You're definitely not getting him in the seventh round. You might get lucky, but you're not going to. You're not getting one of those guys. And it's just they weren't really in a position where they really could have taken uh, you know, one of the one of the early guys. Yes, I'm saying they're at number three. They could have had anybody in the world they wanted uh, in the first round, but they needed a guy like Dante Fowler Jr. Fortunately, he's not going to play, but they needed him. You know, they needed... And that's just Yeldon. unfortunate that he's not going to play because of an ACL injury. Yeah, and you, those are the things that you can never predict. Those are the things with the draft where everything looks good on draft night. Mm-hmm. Every team gets better on draft night, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always translate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just... For for me, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they put themselves in some good situations. 
but they really didn't get that. They got better, but they didn't get that much better. They're still waiting a few years. The Tennessee Titans put themselves on more like a four-year path to being a good team, uh, and that's a conservative estimate there. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are still looking at five, six years to being a good team. Once again, conservative estimate. But, um, yeah, I, I just – that offense doesn't get me too excited. The defense is better. You know, the defense isn't bad. They got some good pieces there. So And they'll be even better, like we said, when Fon- Fowler comes back. Yeah, exactly. So – they're building to something right now. And I actually, like I said before, there's a lot of things about Jacksonville's uh, front office that I like. I think they're making good decisions. It really all started when they were asked, do you want Tim mm-hmm. Tebow? And they said, yeah, we're not interested in that. <laughs> we're not interested in these gimmicks. If Blake Bortles gets injured, we'll, says, we'll see what happens. Yeah, says the I team that has, your guy. Has a t- says the team that has the uh, swimming pool. In their stadium, yeah. they're not interested in gimmicks. Yeah. Um, Want to make their games like a party because they can't win them. Yeah, exactly. Well, they got to get excited <laughs> somehow. I mean, they're shipping games out to London. You know, I'm going to mention one thing before we wrap this up because we forgot to. I forgot to mention this with the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Another new addition to their coaching staff, defensive coordinator Dick LeBeau, coming yeah. over from Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's that. Arguably that's the huge. best defensive coach in our era. Yeah, not since, even arguably. Since we've really. been, well, I mean, since we've been born, yeah, for sure, even longer than that. Yeah, I, it's that's that's huge. Um, and that is a that is a huge improvement to have to that defense to really get them performing the way they should be performing. Um, so how much does that help? How much does that help the Titans? Oh, how's that? Them, them a lot. Is that the reason why they can get from two wins to my six wins? Six wins, no, probably not. <laughs> but it is a reason why they're going to be better than Jacksonville. Well, yeah, Jacksonville's in the cellar for me. I've got, mm-hmm. you know what? You can check out my video for uh, what games, because I actually have that video between the two of us. There you go. So that's going to do it for the onside kick. Unless, Mark, you think we missed anything? Um, I do think that we missed something very important for those of you who are also excited about fantasy football. Oh, okay. Uh, we got a then, certain... then I'm going to go with we missed one other thing. Oh, okay, that sounds fair. But we got a certain fantasy football league that you guys oh, can go join. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we're building up our onside kick fantasy football league. It's going to be, uh, we're hoping for a 12-man league. That's what we're thinking is going to be good. Uh, there is still room to change that, but we're thinking 12. That would mean 11 open spots because me and Mark are going to have a team ourselves that we own together. So if you guys think that you can be better at the fantasy football than these two geniuses in Chicago right here. The brain trust, we call ourselves. Yeah, we're going to just draft the Chicago Bears. Um, (laughs) And the Minnesota Vikings. We're not going to do that. We get AP. Maybe. Um, (laughs) So if you guys think that you can do a better job than us, uh, stay tuned for that. There will be updates on it as we start. There'll to be get a link down below. Up. Link down below. And yeah, there's, okay. There's the link there. It's there, so you can go ahead and join it now. Um, but for more updates or questions, tweet at us at Most Valuable Pod, and you'll get all that information. Here's the thing I was going to bring up. Last question: Who makes the playoffs from this division the, after our mini PSA? The Indianapolis Colts. Um, That's su- it. Surprise! They're going to win. The Houston Texans probably will be there as well. So you're saying two teams from this division make the playoffs? I mean, it's tough because as we talked about on our AFC North preview, we're thinking three of those teams might get in. And if mm-hmm. you remember our AFC East preview, the two Dolphins those might, get might get in. I'm sticking to that formula. I think the Colts are the only ones. Texans are a year removed. To me, they're a seven-win team this year. So. I'm going to say that the Houston Texans have a very solid 
chance of bumping the uh, the Tannehills, the Miami Dolphins, out of the playoffs. Not a chance, not a chance. Very solid chance. So that's going to do it this week for the onside kick. Make sure to check out our Fantasy Football League down below in the description. Please click on that link. Join our Fantasy League. We'd love to put our football knowledge against yours this season. Also, check us out on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Mark is at the with two E's, Mark Weber, and Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. You can check out all our other previews of teams and the videos, podcasts with the divisions on our YouTube channel. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that like button. If you loved it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It really helps. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.